Christ is risen. I can almost hear you saying it back. Good morning and happy Easter. Many years ago, many, many years ago, before there was elevation, Melissa and I attended a Pentecostal church here in town that had a reputation for putting on some incredible and elaborate Easter presentations. I'm talking full stage, custom built set it sets. We're talking costumes, makeup, music, dozens and dozens of people from the church who would have been involved with this production every year. One particular Easter, when I was probably around 19 years old, uh, myself and the wife of our youth pastor teamed up to volunteer to direct the production. This is a big deal. This is a big responsibility. And I remember we were looking over all of these different scripts, trying to find one that we would really like to be able to own. Uh, but everything that we found was just so churchy. It was just so cheesy. And we thought, ah, we can't make this work. So we decided, you know what, forget it. We'll write our own script. And so we did. So we wrote our own production and we found music that we wanted and weaved it in and it was fantastic, um, at least from what I remember. Uh, what The gist of it, I, although I can't remember all of the details, was that the scene that the production opened up on was these two guys going out on a camping trip. And so the scene was like a campfire and maybe a tent set up and these two guys sitting on logs and they were having some conversation. They were friends. One of them was a Christian, the other was not. Um, and they were kind of having some conversation about faith around the fire. And as it turned out, at some point, they needed some extra wood on the fire. And the one guy who was not a person of faith decided to wander off into the woods to find some wood. Well, he wanders through these bushes and lo and behold, he walks through some kind of a time warp and finds himself back in a small town in the first century Mediterranean. So here we have uh, this incredible time travel that has taken place right on the stage of this Easter production. And basically what he did was he witnessed Jesus maybe performing some miracles, maybe um, some of his teaching. And then he was there to witness him walking and being, walking to the cross, his execution, and then eventually his resurrection on Easter Sunday. Now, the idea was preposterous. Of course it was. But it was all a setup to demonstrate how an encounter with the risen Jesus can change everything about our lives. And in keeping with the way that any kind of dramatic production would have ended in the mid-90s, that's exactly what happened. This encounter was life-changing for this character. Now, Easter Sunday, of all the Sundays of the year, is the one most likely to push a person's faith in one direction or the other. It's true whether you've heard the story a hundred times before or whether you're hearing it for the first time here in the spring of 2021. It's a story of a first century man named Jesus who spoke and acted something like more than just a man. It's a story of how this untrained Jewish teacher upset the religious establishment of his day to the point where his life was snuffed out after a sham trial led to his brutal execution on a Roman cross. And if that was the end of the story, while Jesus may have survived as a footnote on some intro course to ancient history, or maybe someone would have made a documentary about this man who stood up to the powers of his day in the name of mercy and love and God. But the reason that we're gathering this morning and the reason we gather every Sunday morning is that the story did not end on the day that we call Good Friday. Now our reading this morning, it begins with a group of faithful and tearful women who are making their way to the tomb where Jesus' body had been laid to pay their respects. But when they get there, they do not find what they expected to find. Instead, they find a visitor dressed in kind of glowing clothes who says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. 
Of all of the words that have entered human ears through the long history of our species, these may be the most unexpected, outrageous, and profound of all. Unexpected because these women watched Jesus die and they were there to mourn him. Outrageous because nobody buried in a tomb comes back to life. And profound because if it was true, if Jesus was alive, then everything that he had said he was and more. Over the last few days, we've had a number of visitors kind of walking by our Stations of the Cross out on the Spurline Trail here at 22 Willow. And there've been all kinds of different reactions. Some people just walk by, some people will stop and reflect for a long time. Uh, there was a group of teenage boys that I heard about, they stopped and, and one of them, after looking at all these signs, exclaimed, Jesus, 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 who the bleep is Jesus? And when I heard that, I thought, man, what an awesome reaction. The fact that there is someone out there who does not know Jesus, who is asking the question, because with or without the profanity, the question, who is Jesus, is a really good question for us to ask. Now, as the story continues, when they came back from the tomb, these women, they told all of the things to the 11 and the others, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. I received an email newsletter this week and the author, Sheree Harder, writes that humans did not rise from the dead with any greater frequency in Jesus' time than in our own. The miracle of the resurrection was astounding then as now. And it's a reminder of this, that the experience that these women would have had blew them away. This was not in the realm of understanding. So what do you do when you're presented with information that goes against everything that you know about how the world works, that goes about against everything that you have ever experienced. I mean, we watched him die, they would have been saying. We saw his body placed in the tomb. How can it not be there anymore? Well, at least one of his disciples did what any reasonable person would do. Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Luke's narrative then shifts to a couple of men leaving Jerusalem who are joined by a mysteriously unrecognizable Jesus on the road to a town called Emmaus. When these men finally clue in and realize who it is that they've been talking to, they hightail it back to the city where they find the disciples still processing the shock of Peter's own story. We pick it up in Luke 24, verse 36 to 39. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It is I, myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. From day one, it has been a challenge for even the most devout of Jesus' followers to take him at his word. Many decide not to, and instead elect to pick and choose. Sometimes we pick and choose Jesus' teachings. We really like this aspect of his teaching, but we don't like that aspect. Or we like the way that he helped these people, but we don't like the whole miracle story. Some people would choose to believe that Jesus is a great moral teacher, that he's a great example, but not believe that he actually rised from the dead. Ross Dothet in his book, Bad Religion, writes, heretics are often stereotypes as wild mystics, but they're just as likely to be problem solvers and logic choppers, well-intentioned seekers after a more reasonable version of Christian faith than orthodoxy supplies. But the resurrection does not so much oppose reason as transcend it. And we all know a little bit 
of what it's like for something to transcend reason. Consider, why do I find a sunset so beautiful? How can a parent so instantly fall in love with a newborn baby? Why does a certain combination of musical notes bring tears to your eyes? You see, life can't be strapped down to a table and dissected, extracted of all of its meaning. The resurrection of Jesus then invites us into a mystery that lies at the heart of our world, that there is life even on the other side of death. Let's continue in Luke 24. When Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. Now, to be honest, of all the things Jesus did, this might be my least favorite. It kind of seems like a cheap parlor trick, like hand me a fish and then he turns to the side and pretends to drop it down his throat, but it really kind of drops down behind him. I don't know, it seems a little hokey, but then again, I can only assume that I would have been among the skeptics right there with them. And I can also only assume that I would have been impressed and utterly convinced by the fish trick. At the end of the day though, I didn't see the trick and I still believe. And this morning, I want to invite you to believe along with me. The second part of our reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Now, this would have been maybe two or three decades after Christ's resurrection. He writes in chapter 10, verse nine, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now it's time for a little Easter confession. I find it easier to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead than to believe that I will be saved because of this. Now, before you start sounding the theological alarm bells, let me explain. I'm not talking about being saved in the end. In that, my hope is firm. I do believe that Jesus' resurrection was the first of many that will follow one day as we enter the life to come. But as I've been reflecting on the resurrection this week, I've started to wonder if my hope is only as firm in that resurrection as it is, because I don't expect that day to come anytime soon. So I was talking with my brother over Zoom this last week, and at one point he said something about um, the, that he was halfway to death. Uh, referring to the fact that he's in his mid forties. And I was like, halfway to death, like that's kind of a morbid way of thinking about this, right? Um, but at the same time, it means that there's still half of your life left. And for myself, I guess I look at life and the fact that I will be one day raised to life at some distant future, that's fine and I can believe that. But when it comes to the present, to now, to today, I struggle to believe that I will be saved from the hundred little deaths and the handful of big ones that are spread out in front of me. I have a mental list of all the things that are currently going wrong, that could potentially go wrong, and that probably will go wrong. And to each of them, Jesus' resurrection is an invitation to believe. Not only believe that at the end of all of my days, I will be saved, but the end of this day, I will be saved. And at the end of the next day, and so on. That's my crisis of faith for you. 
if I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead on that first Easter Sunday, then I have to believe that he is more than capable of raising me too. But this isn't just about me and my questions. It's about you as well. So let me ask you, where is death gaining a victory in your life? Where is the sting of death bringing you pain? Perhaps it's in a relationship or perhaps it's in multiple relationships. Perhaps it's with respect to your job or maybe the lack of a job. Maybe it's with your finances or a physical illness or mental health concerns or struggles at school, a clinging addiction, spiritual emptiness. Maybe it's some specific failure that seems like a death in your life. I've been reading and hearing so much lately, as I'm sure many of you have, now that we've surpassed the one-year mark of this pandemic, about just how much people are struggling with the toll that all of this is taking. If ever we have needed the good news of resurrection, it's now. Henry Nouwen writes, there is no reason to expect much to happen in the future if the signs of hope are not made visible in the present. What does it mean for us to hope in some future resurrection if we're not seeing signs of resurrection right here in the present? If God was with Jesus in and through his death, God will be with me through whatever it is that lies before me, and God will be with you too. The second part of this passage from Romans 10 says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. So Easter morning is as good as a time as any to profess what we are struggling to believe, just like the disciples did on that first Easter morning. And maybe for you, the faith you need to profess is that God will bring new life out of whatever grave you find yourself in right now. Who knows what new beginnings lie just around the corner for you and I? Who knows what life will be breathed into our dry bones? Who knows what gardens will grow up from the graves around us? At the end of Matthew's gospel, he records this final conversation that Jesus has with his followers. And he leaves them with these words, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I think this is such a profound part of the resurrection story because it's not just that one day we will meet Jesus. One day we will be with him. He said that he is with us all along the way. This is the promise attached to the resurrection of Jesus, that he is with us now. So the camper in my mid-90s Easter drama stumbled into a 2,000-year-old world whose events were continuing to have an impact on the present-day world that he was living in. And he was pressed to make a decision about how he would live from that moment on. Easter Sunday presents each one of us with a similar invitation to live by faith in the very same world where many years ago, God raised Jesus from the dead. We're gonna transition now to an exciting part of our service, a video collaboration that many of you have contributed to. It's a song that brings forward a familiar passage of scripture. God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. Listen and sing along this morning. 